couple weeks ago, I was at a gas station up here on the corner, and I uh, got out to put a gas in, and I have a Visa card that has a magnetic strip that doesn't always read. And so I stuck it in there, and it didn't work, and I thought, ah, the magnetic strip. So you're wiping it off, sticking it in there. Stuck it in a couple times, finally it's saying, yeah, go talk to the attendant. I said, well, I know the problem. It's the magnetic strip. I'm not, I don't need to go talk to the attendant. Because, you know what, I have a second card. So I pulled the second card out, shoved it in, doesn't work. And I thought, well, clearly it wasn't the magnetic strip. Now it's the reader. So I stuck it in again. It says, no, it's not working. At about that point, a kindly younger gentleman came around to this attendant and said, oh, you having some trouble? And I said, yeah, I'm on my second card. It's not working. He goes, oh, here, let me show you. Turns it the other direction, shoves it in, and it works just fine. So the clear problem was the magnetic strip, except it wasn't. And then clearly it was the magnetic reader, and it wasn't. And clearly that was my challenge on some level. I talked to another friend, and she was out running, and uh, saw a family friend that they hadn't seen in a while, and was waving, and said, hey, how's it going? Ran right into a tree, because she wasn't watching where she was going. It's good, good shape, whatever. And to be honest, most of us have been there on some level. And so today we're um, in a series on Together, which you may or may not have picked up from Shelly. I'm not sure she made that clear. But uh, And really living the values of Jesus. And we're working through three cultural statements that we believe help us live the values of Jesus. And these are things that we want to be kind of as a core fiber of our church and as the body of Christ. And everyone's welcome. Kevin Meyer, our lead pastor, uh, started with that last week. Uh, I'm nobody is perfect today, which I'm trying not to take that, you know, personally that, hey, we need somebody nobody's perfect. Anybody? Hey, let's get Mike. He would be good about that. And then anything's possible, of course, we give that to the missionary next week. George Kenworthy will be sharing that. So he'll be doing the anything's possible. And the examples I gave earlier are just simple mistakes or honest things and uh, embarrassing events that we go through. And if that was our biggest struggle, we'd be in pretty good shape. The problem is sin, brokenness, imperfection we struggle through is much bigger. And as we as a church and a group of people, we need to, if we're going to acknowledge that nobody is perfect, what does that look like? Because it's a difficult question because there's a sense of invitation saying, nobody's perfect, so come. You're not going to be perfect, so come and be a part of us. And yet at the same time, there's a call to holiness and purity and life change. And so I want to use just a quick video clip. We did a, in the fall, we did a a video thing for our website about us. And um, I just want to show you the um, nobody's perfect section as a jump off spot this morning from church uh, following uh, starting in college and really through my 20s and into my 30s and and then I came here and I felt like it was okay that I had made mistakes during that time um, because I still felt welcomed I still felt like God loved me everybody's always nice to you and you just feel supported and that if you're having problems they can always help you come here with all your warts and wounds And we will just lift you up and love on you because we have them too. And we're not here to judge or criticize, but just to love. So for those of you that don't know Dori Anderson, Dori Anderson was the older lady at the end. I called Dori this week and said, Dori, I'm going to show this video. Are you okay if I tell people you're 86? She said, as long as you say 86 years young, we're good to go. So Dori Anderson's 86 years young. She's here this morning as well. So um, 
if you're like me, I heard about Dory Anderson for a long time before, and everybody kind of said, well, you know Dory Anderson. Yeah, I don't. I don't know who that is. Um, but I heard incredible things, and this is an 86-year-old woman who has a relationship with God that is a model for all of us, I think. She has some prophetic pieces that she just hears from God in a cool way. And when I saw that, I thought, what a perfect way to say nobody's perfect. Come with your warts and wounds, and we're not here to judge. We're here to lift you up. And what does that process look like of coming here with warts and wounds and yet not sitting in our warts and wounds? Because there are people in churches for 50 years who go, yeah, I got warts and wounds. Did I mention that? And boy, I've been able to hang on to those warts and wounds for 50 years and they're still strong as ever. This is not the nobody's perfect, everybody's welcome, anything is possible concept. This is a matter of us coming with our warts and wounds and our, and our brokenness and our imperfections and sitting in a place experiencing God. And if we're going to understand that, I would challenge you to know we are part of God's story. And that story is laid out in the Bible for us. Genesis 1, it starts, God created everything. When he came to humans, it said it, his creation was very good. And then when it came to Adam, he said, it's not okay for him to be alone, so let me make Eve. And so there's a relationship piece. So from Genesis, the very beginning of Genesis, there's a concept of we have a relationship with God and we have a relationship with other people. And that carries through. God was so committed to that relationship piece with people and with each other that he chose the um, nation of Israel to be God's chosen people. And good or bad, their role was to say, we are God's people. This is what God looks like. Let's do this together and we'll serve God. We'll follow God. We'll be obedient to God. And sometimes that worked out quite well and other times it didn't. But then it goes through in the New Testament, Jesus comes as fully God, as a part of our triune God, and comes to earth as a human and says, I came to give my life for you as a sacrifice so there would be a way to deal with that imperfection, that separation from God that that sin caused. Because I'm so committed to relationship between God and people, but also between people and people, that this is what I'm going to do. And so we see that walking through, then Jesus dies for our sins, he goes into heaven, he says, but I'm not going to leave you alone, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so he sends the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, and so we have an ongoing um, asset or um, somebody from God saying, this is what it looks like to have a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. And so we see changed lives throughout the, throughout the whole story, because of God's story is about togetherness. It's about, I created you to have a relationship with you, and I created you to have a relationship with other people. And my favorite part of the whole story is that God uses sinful and imperfect people to carry out his will and purpose. All the time. Shows up and says, you're the least of these, I want you. You are sinful, I want you. And if, it's new, if that story is new to you, I encourage you to read the Bible, think about it as a whole. We have a class, cover-to-cover Bible class uh, in the fall on Wednesday night with the idea of saying, how does this all fit together? How does this story of God and his connection with us work and, and follow itself? And so I think if we're going to understand that, um, one of the verses that's helpful, uh, I'm going to talk about two main verses today, the greatest, great commandment and the Lord's Prayer. So um, a number of you may be familiar with that, some of you may not. But the Lord's, or the greatest commandment, Jesus is asked by some people, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, or second is like this. So it's not a first and second as much as, hey, these two things go together. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So if we're going to be a church and a faith group or a body of Christ, any term you want, a church family, any of those terms, that is a place where people come and everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect and everything is possible, all things are possible, then we need to understand faith. Because God created the work. He said he created us, he sent Jesus to save us. Jesus it was a great example for what that looks like with the nobody perfect because he hung out with sinners and cheats and hypocrites and self-righteous and fakers. All of those people were people he came and touched and got in huge trouble for it and basically gave his life because he said, I'm here to sin, I'm here to save. And I'm not here to save the self-righteous, I'm here to save the imperfect. And that continues through that story. And so we see that with our warts and wounds. Jesus was a great example of that when he um, did relationship through that. And if we're going to see the big picture, then we need to, I would challenge as we look at, yes, we need to love the Lord your God with our heart. How's that work in real life? Well, one way is to look at the model that Jesus gave when he was asked, how do you pray? And so the Lord's Prayer was given to in the Bible through that. It's found in Matthew 6. And we're just going to, uh, it'll come up on the slide behind us, and I, or behind me, it's not behind you, I guess, uh, behind me, and then I will read the phrase, and then I just want to comment on it as I go through. This then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so we start right away with identifying who are we worshiping? Who are we praying to? It identifies the holiness of God. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. You are a holy God. And so it's identifying, knowing that we're imperfect, um, it's different than the sinful life we are living. And so it identifies God for who he is. And then the next phrase, your kingdom come. It's God's kingdom versus my kingdom. God is in, char- is in charge, and he's established how that works. How does life work through that? I follow him, not the other way around. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, clearly God's will would be done in heaven, But Christians historically, I think, have struggled with this challenge of saying, well, oftentimes we see faith as a heaven thing. Yeah, I have a relationship with God, so now I can get to go to heaven. And this, um, I think the church has done a much better job, and God, I think, is speaking through this, of realizing your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if God's will is done now? And we can be conduits of that and and challenges of that. Um, So that is, is significant that his will is the one we're shooting for. Give us today our daily bread. God provides what we need. If that is our perspective, that changes our view of work, that changes our view of generosity, that changes our view on what we focus on. And verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is a significant part of relationship with God and with others. And God values relationships so much that he calls us to forgiveness. And I'm going to comment about that just a little bit more in a minute. But verse 13 then says, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are things in this world that are not good for us. There are things in this world that are not going to draw us closer to God. Satan is real. He's going to come and tempt us. And so God says, pray against those things. And now how many of you are looking for, maybe by a raise of hands, for years of the kingdom, the power and the glory? Anybody at the end of the... No one in the congregation uses that. Oh, there's two. Yeah, many of us grew up saying, for years of the kingdom, the power and the glory. That is not in the New International Version, Matthew nine uh, or Matthew 6, 9 through 13. It's part of verse 13 in some of the manuscripts, but not in all. 
And so I'm just, this is a bonus section. This isn't really about the sermon, but I feel like I can't just leave it sitting there. Um, this is really a phrase of a doc, kind of a doxology or a liturgy or something that praises God as part of a worship that was not, as far as we can tell, is, is not in the original manuscripts. And so sometime in the early church that was added. And so as people have done better textual criticism and things in the modern times, they've said, boy, that wasn't in, and things like Dead Sea Scrolls give us older manuscripts to look at. And so they've left it out of many of the modern translations. So my encouragement to you, if that's really important to you, that's just a personal doxology. You can still say that. If it's weird not to say that, just know that that potentially probably was an early church ad and not in the original manuscripts. And we're not talking like the 1980s as an early church. This was way back. People were throwing that in. And so they were experiencing God and added that phrase uh, as, as close as we can uh, tell. There's, other, there's a pretty big debate among theologians. And so um, anytime there's a big debate among theologians, I'm going to give you the point and then move on quickly. So, um, and we have some work to do in this stuff. And so if we're um, looking to experience God and be a part of his story, as much as we are welcome with our warts and, and wounds, the end goal is not to live with a bunch of warts and wounds. So warts are not intended to be the end goal. They just are simply a reality that we deal with because we're sinful. And God uses people to help us come to God with our warts. There's something about the body of Christ. There's something about a church family. There's something about the dynamic of relationship that allows us to encourage other people, draw other people, bring them along, walk alongside them, them walk alongside us to get to the point where we understand God better and deal with some of those warts and wounds. And we'll take our warts and wounds and and try to heal those because God is about life change. But life change comes with a little work. And Luke 9, which I don't have a slide for you this morning, but says, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. And as we acknowledge God's grace and the impact for us, that results in more significant things desires and whatever. And we can't earn grace. Grace is a gift from God. It's unmerited. God just does it for us. And yet there seems to be some action steps in there that says, as we experience God's grace, here's some stuff to do. And so one of those stuff to do, in addition to having faith, we also are challenged to forgiveness. Because what Matthew 6, 9 through 13 gives you the the Lord's Prayer and might leave out that phrase, rarely, so we kind of add in some stuff sometimes, um, rarely, I think, do we read the next two verses. So if you see Matthew 6, 14, and 15, it's just the continuation of the Lord's Prayer and says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When I come across things like that that are theologically significant and kind of blow my mind, my response is, what? (laughs) Is that true? How can God forgive me, but he won't forgive me if I don't forgive him, or forgive others, or forgive him for that matter? If we're going to function together, we, God calls us to righteousness. And righteousness is simply right relationship. Right relationship with God, right relationship with people who work together. And so, but it seems like God says there's such a significant part of a right relationship with other people that that negatively impacts our right relationship with God. And that's a pretty challenging thing. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because oftentimes we think of things as transactional. 
I will forgive you, and therefore God will forgive me. It's a little bit like you got little kids, and hey, Johnny, you got two suckers, you need to give one to your sister, because someday your, your sister will have two cookies, and you'll want a cookie, and you just got to kind of plan ahead. That's kind of how we do that with God. And it's almost a karma thing of, I have to do certain things, and then God will do certain things. But it's not a transactional thing, it's a transformational thing. Because God says, I have created you with relationship, and there's something about forgiveness and relationship together that negatively impacts my ability to have a relationship with God. And I think that's incredibly challenging, and I think it's a part we just kind of skim over a lot, because it's not part of the prayer. And yet when God says, forgive others as I have forgiven you, and then by the way, if you don't, there's a transformational problem that's going to cause me to have a broken relationship with you. So we not only need, if we're going to say, yes, nobody's perfect, everybody's welcome, come and spend time with us, there's a pretty big challenge for us to have faith, knowing who God is, knowing his story, where we come from, what's that look like. But it's a pretty significant part of saying, okay, then how do we forgive? What does that look like? Because our natural response is often anger, judgment. Anger and judgment are not fruits of the spirit. They are not in the list. Forgiveness is one of those things that says, boy, I value you, I forgive you. Um, it's about God's kingdom, not my kingdom. And so I had a, uh, just got a, looking through this, I got a couple quotes from authors who say this much better than I do. So I just want to read uh, a few things about forgiveness. Because forgiveness is really acknowledging our Father who art in heaven. You are holy and your kingdom come. Not my kingdom come. Because if it's my kingdom come, you better do what I want you to do. And when you don't, you're in trouble. God's kingdom says, yeah, it's not about you, buddy. It's about God. And something about that transformational piece is if you're not in right relationship with other people, that prevents you from being in right relationship with me. And so um, Philip Yancey is an author who wrote What's So Amazing About Grace? And he says, um, when you forgive someone, you slice away the wrong from the person who did it. You disengage that person from this hurtful act. You recreate him. At one moment, you identify him as the person you did, who did you wrong. The next moment, you change that identity. He is remade in your image. So either I'm looking at you as something, hey, you did something wrong for me, therefore that defines who you are, to slicing that off and saying, that's not who you are. You're a child of God. And just as I have been forgiven, I'm going to forgive you. Um, And then Philip Yancey quotes somebody, Lewis, and his last name is S-M-E-D-E-S. Why can't we quote people like Jones or Smith? It's Schmeeds, Schmeedus, I'm not sure how. I'm going with Schmeeds. Lewis Schmeeds, who's probably a famous person that you all know, but I've never heard of him. Um, But his quote is great. If you can bring yourself to the point of forgiveness, you will release its healing power, both in you and the person who wronged you. So if there's a togetherness, if there's a sense of, hey, we're living out values that Jesus lived out, Isn't it cool that one of those values is forgiveness that releases the healing power for me and for you? Because not only, oftentimes even when we talk forgiveness, we say, oh yeah, I'm going to forgive you. Aren't I a great person? And now you're off the hook because, you know, because I'm gracious. And that's not what God's saying. God's saying, no, that's the right thing to do. And it doesn't take long for me to look at myself and go, ooh, I kind of need some forgiveness because I kind of did some stuff that shouldn't have been that way. And then Yancey continues, forgiveness, undeserved 
undeserved, unearned, can cut the cords and let the oppressive burden of guilt roll away. The New Testament shows a resurrected Jesus leading Peter by the hand through a threefold ritual of forgiveness. And if you heard George Kenworthy a couple times ago, he talked about Peter. Um, that's what he was talking about there too. Peter need not go through the life with the guilty. So this is Peter the disciple who was told by Jesus, you're going to um, deny me. Jesus said, no way, bud. I, I don't care what everybody else does, I'm in. And then he denies him. And Jesus shows up. And Peter need not go through his life with a guilty hangdog look. Isn't that a great phrase? A hangdog look. Peter need not go through life with a guilty hangdog look as one who has betrayed the Son of God. Oh no. On the backs of such transformed sinners, Christ would build his church. Peter is the person who looked Jesus in the face and said, I'm not going to deny you. Oh, just kidding, I'm going to deny you. And when Jesus shows up in the flesh, he says, Peter... I'm going to build my church with you. Again, theological response of Mike Brinkman, what? How does that make any sense? Because God takes the warts and the wounded and he loves us and it's about relationship and it's about God's story and he's so committed to relationship that that comes into play. And the reality there that doesn't, isn't quoted in that passage Peter needed to forgive himself. Can you imagine Peter? Yeah, Jesus, you forgave me, but I don't know. That was a pretty big deal. I said, I'm denying the Son of God. Yeah. Jesus' response, duh, I know you did that. I told you you were going to do that. But it's not about you. It's about my kingdom. And I'm forgiving you to make that transformational way possible so that you can be a conduit of my grace to other people. He took Paul, and Paul was killing Christians. Jesus showed up and said, stop killing Christians. I want to use you. He took a guy that was killing people who wrote most of the New Testament. What? That's forgiveness, folks. And then um, Yancey's other statement is, there's no other way. Finally, in one of his last statements, Jesus' last statement, before dying, he said, forgive them, all of them, the Roman soldiers, the religious leaders, his disciples who had fled in darkness, you, me, forgive them for they did not know what they were doing. Only by becoming a human could, being, could the Son of Man truly say they did not know what they were doing. That's a man committed to relationship. That's a God who's committed to relationship and a God who committed to being together. And John Piper, one of the local um, pastors um, who's retired now, has, I found one a comment of his too that I thought was great. Struggling to forgive is not what destroys us. As long as we are in the flesh, we will do our good deeds imperfectly, including forgiving and loving others. Jesus died to cover those imperfections. What destroys us is the settled position that we are not going to forgive and that we have no intention to forgive and we intend to cherish the grudge and fondle the wrong that someone did to me and feel the bitterness. It feels good. I like to go to bed with my wrath at night because he legitimately wronged me. I'm going to hold this against him the rest of his life. I think we can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ and not make war on that attitude. We're deluded. Oh, sorry. If we think we can be indwelt by the Spirit of Christ and not make war on that attitude, we are deluded. 
Matthew 6 says that. If you don't forgive other people, that's a problem for me. And so as we look at that and we say, okay, how do we do this with nobody is perfect? We invite, warts and all, warts and wounds, come and be with us. Because there's something about the body of Christ. And the body of Christ simply is an illustration that God um, in the Bible says, each of us are a part of the body. Some of us are hands, some of us are feet, some of us are heads, whatever. We all work together to do what he wants, to do his will and carry that out. And understanding nobody's perfect uh, is if we look at our faith and we look at forgiveness, that also gives us incredible freedom to be a part of God's story. Because we are not just Wyzetta Free Church in 2016, this leaving a legacy, relating to the legacy we came with, all of those things. We are part of the legacy of God that says, from the beginning of time, I created you. I created you to have a relationship with me. I created you to have a relationship with other people. And if you can figure out whose kingdom is whose here and forgive people, that gives us incredible freedom. Incredible freedom to understand We don't have to be stuck in the warts and wounds. Part of that body of Christ is us working together, us experiencing God together, walking alongside each other. Because some of us partly are just wired that way. Others have better experience and, and, um, and learning because we all have different levels of comfort sometimes with warts and wounds. Some of us in the healing place, if you talk to the, any of our faith community nurses, They have an incredible ministry with sick people, with older people. A ministry that I will never have unless God changes something. Because look how many times people go through like something that Joel goes through with his mom and cancer and then is passionate about cancer. And I'm going to do some stuff and I'm going to raise money and I'm going to do education because now it affects me in ways that it didn't before. And so God has taken your uniquely, fearfully, and wonderfully made given you some individual unique experiences, given you some unique and individual learning, and said, now come together as a body and figure out this warts and wounds thing with my Holy Spirit to guide you, with the knowledge that you are part of the story of God that walks through with us, experiences him together. And some of us are going to do that with the physically unhealthy. Some of you do that better with counseling. You have some ability that God gave you and experience or learning that experiences that you've gone through that make that um, make sense to you. Others just love the raw spirituality. The fact that when people come along and say, no, God's dead, how is that true? Oh, let me step into that. Others of you go, if you think God is dead, I don't know what to tell you because let's talk about the Bible, but you think the Bible's dumb. And I, well, there's some people that know that, that feel that, that experience that in passion. Others of us are are more passionate and comfortable with different levels of safety. We're sending a group of people to Turkey. There are people in this world that say that's bad. There are people in this world like me that say, yeah, God's calling them. Let's send them. Let's pray like crazy and celebrate what God's doing. There's others that are more comfortable and passionate about levels of injustice. If you've heard George talk the last couple weeks or... um, Susan Johnson and a few others are talking about some of the sex trafficking. And, and there's just no real awareness of the dynamics of that, um, that evil in the world. And slavery. There are 
thousands and thousands of people in slavery today. And there are people that are going to step into that. And others of us are going to go, what? I don't understand how to do that. And this may change as God gets a hold of you. Because if there's one thing I want to make clear, God calls us to move past the warts and wounds. There's a part of that that just isn't going to go, that's just going to be a struggle for us. But as Piper says, if we're just celebrating that, if we're holding on to that wrath, we're holding on to the, the fact that you didn't, do, you didn't do something right and you hurt me, then we're delusional. Then there's something that says that transformational piece about Jesus is, not, is impacted negatively. We just can't do it that way. So I'm excited to be together. I'm excited that living the value of Jesus, the body of Christ, the church, this is a place where we can do that. Some of you may have to look at those warts and wounds and forgive yourself. Like Peter, you looked at God and said, forget you. I'm going to deny you. Well, God can come back and say, no, I, I get it that you denied me, but I'm still interested in you. And some of you have to give an opening of people, find somebody that can help you walk through some trauma. Some of you have to walk through areas of weakness, gaps that you have in your struggle, whether it's through upbringing or just not understanding or kind of you're just your selfish arrogance. All of us have that to work together. And those warts and wounds are something we can really struggle through. But let's do that together. Let's have faith that God is who he says he is. Let's understand his kingdom is calling us to holiness, to understanding God gave us our daily bread, to forgiveness, and that as we forgive, we experience God in a special way. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you for such direct teaching and when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's loving you, loving other people. And when it's how we should pray, we should pray for your kingdom to come. And pray that you would help us forgive. You would help us to avoid temptation. You would help us bind Satan. You would help us to rely on our daily bread. And Lord, if we're going to be disciples, we need to pick up our cross and walk. And sometimes that's really hard with our warts and wounds getting away. And yet you know about those warts and wounds. And so we pray for your healing today. We pray that this church would be a place where people can come, that everybody is welcome, and nobody's perfect. And that all things are possible through you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.